Hello, and welcome to Dementia Dialogue. My name is Lisa Loisel, and I am your host for a special two-part podcast with guests Laura Alfaro and Danielle Alcock. This is episode two, where I'll be speaking with Laura and Danielle more specifically about the Circle of Care project, the process, the purpose, the outcomes, and the challenges. Thanks for joining me. Let's listen in. Laura, did you want to tell us a little bit about the Circle of Care and the work that you're doing with the Native Women's Association of Canada? Absolutely. So Circle of Care is a project that was developed to address the needs of of Indigenous caregivers, of people living with dementia or memory loss. As, As we were saying, a lot of Indigenous people who are diagnosed with dementia will be cared for at home by a loved one. They won't be placed into long-term care immediately or, you know, family members will keep them at home for as long as possible. So we're finding that a lot of caregivers are our family members. And one of the things that is, is a challenge for a lot of these caregivers is just um, lack of resources, lack of, of, of support. Um, we were speaking about, you know, a lot of people don't have so much familiarity with dementia or memory loss or what that means for them or for their loved ones. So we wanted to uh, create resources to um, increase their knowledge. Obviously, if I think many caregivers can relate to this, but when the caregiver struggles, the care that they're able to provide struggles as well. So we're hoping that with these resources, it'll improve the well-being of caregivers. And in doing so, will also improve the care that they're able to provide for their loved ones. So we're trying to look at it from sort of a a more holistic perspective, where, again, something that will benefit the caregiver will also benefit their loved ones. So the well-being of the caregiver is sort of central to to this project. So like, how can we enhance their, again, their well-being? So a lot of caregivers will talk about, you know, some of the challenges that they have, problems with sleeping, you know, financial stress, you know, just not knowing a lot about the condition, not knowing a lot about resources that are available to them in their communities, feeling isolated, right, from other people who are not caregivers, because it's it takes up a lot of, you know, one's time, and it plays a very important part, a very big part in, in most of these uh, people's lives. So the resources were sort of developed to address all of all of these things. And again, I can't stress enough the importance of providing that support network. So this is where the sharing circles come in. One of the components of the project was to create um, sharing circles for Indigenous caregivers. And and, and from a Western perspective, we would look at it as a support group, right? A support group for um, caregivers, because so many of them had mentioned feeling isolated from their communities, from, you know, just having not a lot of support and just piloting these these sharing circles, which Danielle um, facilitated, we're definitely seeing that feedback where, wow, it's made such a difference that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not alone. I have like these other people here that could be a potential, you know, support network. We received a lot of feedback about that. So again, the project is creating, you know, primarily it's a resource for the caregiver, but sort of the, the wider outcome is that it will improve the lives of people they care for as well. Yeah. And, and of course, if the care partner, if the family member is doing well and feels supported, then of course, they're the support that they provide to their loved one living with dementia will be will be better as well. So Danielle, you've been facilitating 
the uh, sharing circles. Can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like? I, I know from the Western you know, perspective, what a support group looks like, but what, how is the sharing circle different from you know, a traditional support group? I think a really fantastic piece was having a knowledge keeper who is alongside me. And that's so important because it's having their, their knowledge and their teachings to actually bring to the groups as well. And so, so can you just tell me who a knowledge keeper is? So a knowledge keeper is somebody who is recognized within their, their own community as somebody who has spent a lot of time. It's, I don't want to say apprenticeship almost, but it is, it's, they've spent a lot of time. They've been recognized that they have specific gifts of somebody who might have a specialty, whether that could be teachings with medicines, with, with counseling. And so the person that we worked with, their gifts were insurmountable that they really brought to this. And because the importance as well of the, the knowledge keeper that we had, had experience as a caregiver as well. Mm. And so I think that's always really important is that for myself and, and for the knowledge keeper that it wasn't about us just being there and kind of sitting back because we shared our stories and we shared ourselves. And so I think that is also really important in the way that this was facilitated because it was a recognition of like the person who is kind of being here to guide your discussion, understands where you're coming from, can empathize and can maybe provide some additional resources or our own knowledge or stories to support people. So I think that was really helpful. And I think as well is that it was just an opportunity to hear from everybody that was there. So the importance of everyone just sharing a little bit of themselves and who they care for. So one small thing that that worked pretty well, I hope, I hope you think it worked well, Laura, was just asking people, you know, like, who are you? Where are you from? And, you know, sharing a, a story or a favorite memory of the person that you care for. Because then it's also the shift of not just focusing on, you know, the real stress that's going on as being a caregiver, the challenges that you're facing, but also a chance to sit down and got to know the person that they're caring for. And so that was really wonderful to hear, like, you know, this person that I care for, they love to cook and they still do. They're the person who, who taught me so many things, you know, they have great memories of just spending time together still. So that was really a, a beautiful way of looking at it, of having that balance of, yes, this is really difficult for caregiving, but how can we also talk about, I guess, not the benefits, but the Laura might be able to, to help me. I was going to say maybe a reward, the rewarding side of being a caregiver. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that reciprocity of the relationship that you have with them. And, and in fact, um, Danielle, while you're speaking about, you know, how we shared, you know, uh, the, the caregiver's favorite memory, that was also some of the feedback I received. That was the favorite, one of the favorite parts of, of the sharing circle was being able to um, share memories about their loved one and saying where they were from. And I think that really helped them feel connected to other people in, in the sharing circle, which I guess I forgot to mention all took place virtually on Zoom. And how did how did you find that working? It's it's a completely different way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. So when the project was first developed about four years ago, the initial plan was to go to communities and hold these sharing circles in person. Obviously, with the pandemic, that was not possible. So we had to shift the, the sharing circles to, um, to Zoom to do them virtually. We were a little bit unsure um, whether, you know, people would even want to come if it, if it wasn't in person. You know, so some things do get lost when you're um, meeting kind of 
um, mediated by by a computer when it's not in person. So so we were there was a little bit of concern there that that we wouldn't um, get much interest in, um, you know, attending these circles virtually. But the response was, you know, phenomenal. We had so many people interested. There were some, and obviously we have to um, keep in mind how many people that, you know, we can't have too many people at once because we want everybody to share. We want everybody to feel comfortable in the discussion. So, you know, we limited um, the sharing circles from, you know, 10 to 15 people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we had to turn people away because all the spots were, were taken, unfortunately. But the response we received is really really wonderful. And I think from a research perspective, one of the really great things was that we were able to connect with so many people from, from different parts of the country, right? From right. British Columbia, from, you know, um, from New Brunswick, from Alberta, from the, you know, from everywhere. So I think that would have been less uh, had the um, sharing circles taken place in person, just because we wouldn't have been able to get to all of those communities. But yeah, it was really wonderful for, for us to, to get participants from so many different parts of the country to participate. So that was definitely a, a positive of having the, the circles virtually. Another really great thing too, is that since people were from all over, they were really great at sharing resources or someone that we would try to build in an opportunity of, do you have a question? Because you have a group of people who have the experience and the knowledge. And so people would say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Do you have some advice? And so it was great because some people shared um, national resources that others weren't aware of. They would, you know, put them in the chat so then people could access them. And so that was really wonderful too, because everyone has their, their own knowledge from their journey and they're able to share it with other caregivers and just the amount of appreciation for those who were, you know, they were sharing like, thank you, I didn't know this existed. And for caregivers as well to recognize, you know, that they're supporting someone else too. And so it's that balance of really creating that network and that community of support for one another. Mm -hmm. Have you found that the group has continued or is wanting to continue the, the sharing circles? I've had a lot of feedback from participants saying, I would like to continue um, meeting with people, you know, accessing these resources in a, in a group um, situation. The last, maybe I'll go on, on a little bit of a tangent here, but the last group that we held was with caregivers from Nunavut they were especially um, enthusiastic about the possibility of this remaining, you know, an ongoing uh, resource. And, and yeah, it was, it was a very long, so typically these um, sharing circles would last, you know, an hour and a half, hour 45, the one from Nunavut was two and a half hours long. And we found that the sharing was so like cathartic, I think for a lot of the caregivers who, who participated, you know, there were a lot of challenges as associated with being a caregiver in, in Nunavut, right? A lot of their loved ones had had to be transported like outside of Nunavut to a, a care facility in Ottawa. So like, you know, they have to deal with um, some of these challenges that uh, people, that um, caregivers in other parts of Canada maybe don't have to. Um, so there was a lot of sharing around that. So definitely there has been interest to, to continue the groups. Continuing on on that line, Laura, what are some of the other challenges that you've seen as a, as a caregiver, Danielle, for yourself, Laura, for the people that you, you know, were engaged with in, in the work that you've been doing? What are some of the other challenges from the different communities being able to continue to do a lot of the activities that were important to you before you had a diagnosis. I think it's always like, how were things before a diagnosis and then afterwards? And so people having access, I think food is so important 
language is really important as well as many people may only speak you know the language that they grew up with uh, their indigenous language and so that's an important piece of having someone to talk to is really key and so those are some you know concrete aspects of self and identity and having the ability to still be included in things that you loved to do that just because you go into long-term care doesn't mean that it has to stop and so having that support and that connection is really key and I think that goes back to the importance of Indigenous communities um, having those resources so people can stay home and if long-term care has to be an option of what does that look like to have that culturally safe care within those institutions and sometimes they are institutions which can be really tough is that it's a complete shift of what your day might look like every person is different and so they're very regimented sometimes and so really that person-centered care or that family-centered care that might be needed for people when they're in homes that they still have that the life that they had before their diagnosis so some of the participants mentioned that their loved ones even though they had never heard them speak indigenous languages growing up is so something that they were seeing um, after their loved one received their diagnosis of, of, of memory loss so, you know, if um, you are not familiar with an Indigenous language and you're in long-term care, you know, for um, a healthcare practitioner, this might be like, oh, this, this person is, you know, speaking gibberish or, you know, not making any sense. But, you know, um, so having that, that, that knowledge. Um, and I also wanted to mention that um, several participants um, brought up the idea of once, that they, once they had to make the decision to put their loved one in long-term care, that is when they saw the health declining like very, very rapidly. So, I mean, you know, they're seeing this, that the longer the, the loved one is kept in the community, that the better their health um, will, will be, the better their well-being will be. And they've seen this with their own loved ones that have, for whatever reason, have to be placed in long-term care is this is when, yeah, their, their health starts declining, you know, very, very quickly. So... What community resources are most urgently needed in Indigenous communities? That's such a big, it's, it's, it's a very big question because I think that different communities would say different resources. Um, one of the answers that came up was um, having a, a, a facility that had Indigenous specific resources in communities, like in reserves. So again, a number of our participants um, lived on reserve they didn't have access to a to a care facility. So their loved one would sometimes be placed in a care facility four hours, five hours away. And so that really, really severs a connection between, you know, the, the person going into the long-term care facility and their family and their community. So I think that having these resources in these communities, which again, it's, I, I think a, lo a lot of it is um, having these um, care facilities. I think that would that would be a good start. And and again, that address the the needs of, of, of the community, those specific needs is very important, especially in communities where, you know, long-term care facilities are are maybe hours and hours away. And the the ability to retain that connection just it's it's more difficult, more challenging because this person is, you know, hours away. So I think I think that would be one of the really key resources that I think we need to see more of, especially in rural communities. Because as Danielle mentioned, in some places you do have facilities that are that do have incorporate culturally safe resources or that are close enough where you know you can visit your family member very often. This idea of maintaining that connection, of maintaining that proximity, I think, is so important in the event that a person for whatever reason needs to be placed in long-term care. And Danielle, as a caregiver for your dad, what are the most 
important resources that are still needed? I think a really important piece is like the the knowledge translation, because many people shared, and myself included, you don't know anything until you have to. Mm. And so it would be wonderful if there is more knowledge that was engaging everyone, regardless of how old you are, because everyone's going to be affected by somebody with memory loss. Either it's going to be themselves, a caregiver, friend, someone that they know. And so really sharing that knowledge so everyone is aware of what is aging and what is dementia for that distinction between the two. So people are aware of what are some of the early symptoms to maybe look out for to get those connections and the support that you might need. Because many people shared, you know, you just don't, you don't realize. And then you look back and you go, oh yes, there Mm -hmm. were some signs and symptoms. I just didn't know what it was or what to look for. And I think more resources for later stages is really key. There's so much focus on the early and the middle, but for later stages is when people need the most amount of support, but there's just not as much knowledge about what to expect, what to come and that community support that you might need. So I think that's a beautiful piece that's coming out of the Circle of Care project is that that community that's being built of, of networks of caregivers who can support each other and relate to each other. And as things are getting more difficult, you have somebody who understands where you're coming from. Might not be the same experience, but there's some commonalities that can be really supportive. Yeah. And, and so, Laura, moving forward, so I understand that the project will be coming to an end shortly. What's going to happen next? Okay, so the Native Women's Association of Canada has developed a toolkit for Indigenous caregivers of loved ones with uh, dementia. So this will be available on the Native Women's Association website. So it'll be available for um, caregivers to download for free. So we have a couple of, it's sort of a three-prong approach. So um, it includes information on well-being, like specifically how, how to take care of yourself as a caregiver. You know, that's that's very important but also a care plan for for their loved one. And this is especially um, relevant for people that have their loved ones in a long-term care facility or, you know, who put them into respite care um, sometimes because somebody in a long-term care facility or, or respite care might not have extensive background on the person's routine. So it's things like, you know, that this person's uh, medication, what are some things that activities that the person enjoys doing. Um, A number of people mentioned visiting their loved one in a care facility and never knowing when the loved one had eaten. So getting there and thinking that the the, the person hadn't eaten when in fact they had had eaten. So um, things for their schedule, all of these things are really important um, part of, you know, the routine, right? Knowing the routine, especially when you don't remember if if you ate two hours ago, right? This is really important. And also, and I think um, a really important part of um, the toolkit is how to develop a group in, in a sharing circle in your own area. So we sort of outline the steps that, you know, people can use to, to start a sharing circle in, in their own community, which is really important. And again, the resources will be available online. So, you know, anybody can access them. But yeah, we're hoping that on um, the sharing circles and um, the information, again, that's provided for um, about dementia for Indigenous caregivers, yeah, will we'll help other, other caregivers who, you know, maybe weren't able to attend the sharing circles that NWAC held or would like to continue with the sharing circles in, in their own communities with other caregivers. That's amazing. One of the things that the Knowledge Keeper did during throughout the session was um, burning of medicines. So she would burn, uh, you know, tobacco, uh, cedar, and I believe it was sweetgrass, and that was on 
the whole time. And we had a lot of really amazing feedback about that. A lot of participants really, it helped them to connect and it helped them to feel comfortable and safe in the space. So definitely the um, presence of a, an elder or a knowledge keeper, I think, would be key as well. At different activities. I know that NWAC um, also holds workshops for things like, you know, art workshops or beading or drumming circles or so, you know, it might be those kinds of activities to help people connect with um, culture is really important. So I think a circle for people who are diagnosed with dementia would incorporate some of those activities as well. I never even thought about that, Um, you know, have those specifically cultural um, activities that you could do. A question, when you were talking about the uh, knowledge keeper and, you know, them burning sage and and burning tobacco, how does that translate when it's being done in a virtual sense? So you see the plumes of smoke (laughs) on on the screen. Danielle, I don't know if you want to speak more to, to that. Yeah, and I think as well that because everyone has had to shift to virtual. Yeah. yeah, And so when she was actually burning the medicines, it was, it's always interesting to see because you could actually see that the medicines are actually going right to the screen. Like just the movement of it when she has it there is going right to the screen. And she also let people know that who might have shared a difficult story or really needing some support. She was saying, I'm going to put some tobacco down for you and I'm going to be praying for yourself and I'm going to be praying for your family. And so I think that's important too, for people to know that, okay, we have this connection and somebody is putting out those prayers to creator for me and putting tobacco down for me so I can have that support that I might need. And so I think that was a really key aspect of, of having these circles and facilitating online that although it was at a distance, she was still being able to support them in that way. And so you could just, you know, so many people would just be, appreciative and tell her, you know, miigwech and thank you for doing this um, because it's for them leaving that space. They know, okay, you're saying prayers for me. I'm going to have that community support because when you're usually praying, it's not usually for yourself, it's for somebody else. And so that's the purpose of the burning of the medicine is you're sending prayers. Is yeah, and, it's, and different medicines have different supports really Um, And so that was a key part of it, too, is that with burning of the medicines, people knew that she was doing it for them Mm -hmm. and that it was still there. It's still present in the process. And I think that's a really key part, too, and that she was in for herself of, you know, she's she's following the protocols of after the medicines are used, she's going to she let them know I'm going to take this outside. I'm going to return this to Mother Earth for you. The medicines have been used. They've done their job and I'm returning them back. That's beautiful. And I think in, in this context, um, the participants understood like the, the significance behind the medicines. And you, so like this whole process that Danielle has explained, they, they would be familiar with, with that, right? So it's, it's not just showing up to the sharing circle and this, ha- this is happening and you don't know why it's happening or what's going to happen or why it's relevant. Like people already have this background knowledge coming into the sharing circles. Now, Laura, when you and you and I spoke before this particular conversation, you had talked about an opening, a specific opening and a closing uh, during the uh, sharing circle. Can you just describe that a little bit for me? Yeah. So one of the roles of the knowledge keeper in the sharing circles was to open and close the circle in a good way. So um, at the beginning, uh, you know, she would just acknowledge everybody in the room um, and then share that she was burning medicines. And she would also say a few words about, um, you know, the topic of, of, of the sharing circle. 
So as Danielle mentioned, um, the knowledge keeper did have some, you know, experience as a caregiver herself. So sometimes she would share stories about family members that had been, that had received diagnoses of, of, of memory loss and to connect with, with other participants in the group. And yeah, closing the circle again, it, Often it was a reflection of, of some of the things that we had talked about um, in the sharing circle. She would sometimes say, you know, just depending on, because some of the sessions were pretty intense, like a lot of emotion, a lot of, so she would say something like, so, you know, make sure to go get outside, go for a walk, breathe. So sometimes it was things like something that you could do to help your well-being after being in such an intense uh, session, right? Because it's a lot of really, really um, powerful um, energy that that is happening in a sharing circle, even virtually. So it can have an impact on folks that are already going through you know, very intense things in their lives, right? Who are also we're very tired from, you know, other things that that they're doing as far as like being caregivers. So yes, she would she would sometimes um, recommend things that people um, could do that 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 would help out um, a lot. So that yeah, that's um, the opening and the closing. Um, Danielle, I don't know if you wanted to add to that. Yeah, and I think a piece that we tried to include as well is the acknowledgement and the recognition of caregivers. I don't think caregivers hear that enough of like, you're doing a good job. We appreciate you. We know this is really difficult work. And so that was something she always incorporated to, to say, you know, that kindness to them and recognition and acknowledgement of what the work that they're doing as caregivers. And so I think that was a, a wonderful thing that she, she brought into it because a lot of the times we just talk about the difficulties and the caregiver is they're almost forgotten in that way of the hard work. And so it's nice for someone to say, like, I see you and I recognize what you're doing and to hear it out loud. Is there anything else that either of you would like to share? I think for me, and I'm I'm not a caregiver, I'm just, um, you know, the person um, sort of uh, it, working in the project, but it's been very, very humbling for me to be able to attend the sharing circles and to hear the different stories of, of the caregivers that attended the, the sessions. Um, as I mentioned, it's, it's a very emotional topic and can be a really difficult topic for a lot of um, people, especially if it's the beginning of your uh, journey with uh, memory loss. I think you have a lot of questions and there's a lot of grief that, that takes place even, even in the context of the sharing circles. So for me, it was extremely humbling to, to be in this space where people attended and they were sharing their experiences and their resources and helping other caregivers. And again, it's a very difficult topic, but they were so generous in, in their sharing. And, you know, I always mentioned, you know, the, the, what we learned here and the feedback that you provide, we're going to use those in our resources so we can help other caregivers. And they were so willing to help us with the resources and with the feedback. And so, yeah, it was just amazing for me to know that, you know, these are folks that are, you know, going through a very challenging journey with loved ones, which again, entails all kinds of very difficult things, but they were there and they were there to, to share their stories and, and share their resources and to help other caregivers. Yeah. I think there's, there's a importance about letting people know how, how much of an impact they could have in sharing that story. A lot of people are very reluctant to talk about such personal, I guess, you know, family, family struggles, but really when people open up and, and share, um, they can help so many people in, you know, just in, in that information that they're, they're providing. 
So you must be very, very thankful for all of those people that uh, were involved in the sharing circles and involved in this project because it's going to have such a huge impact um, on other communities and other people. People like you, Danielle, who were looking for, you know, those resources 10 years ago and, and couldn't find them. Danielle, any last words that you want to share with us? No, I think I echo what Laura had shared. It was just an honor to be in that space with other caregivers. And, you know, for myself, it's nice to know you're not alone, that people relate to what you're going through. And that I hope that some parts of my own journey I could share could maybe be supportive uh, for others who maybe aren't there yet. So that's helpful too, because these stories are really important. I think that was such a key part too, is that the way this was done is that people were sharing their stories. Yeah. And that's exactly how we often communicate um, within Indigenous communities and the value of that. So I think that was really important for caregivers to have that space to share who they are, share about their loved one and their own journey for others to say, I see you, I recognize you, and I relate to what you're going through. So then you can maybe leave that space a little bit lighter and, and recognize, okay, I'm not the only person going through this. And I think one more thing that I, I now that you're speaking, um, and, and you mentioned this a number of times too, Danielle, but when people had the opportunity to share about their loved ones, you know, you could see the love coming through. And Danielle mentioned this in so many of the sharing circles, you know, we can see, feel the love that you have for your um, loved ones, um, the people that you're caring for. So I think that's, I think something that's really important to mention too, is the circles also gave uh, people an opportunity to share about their loved ones. And yes, you could definitely see the love coming through. If neither of you have anything else that you wanted to share specifically, I think we will wrap up there. Um, and I, I just want to thank both of you very much. I feel very honored in, um, you know, listening to your stories and uh, for you willing your willingness to share the stories um, with everybody on uh, the Dementia Dialogue podcast. So thank you both very much. I appreciate your time today. This Dementia Dialogue episode released under the new partnership between the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario and the Centre for Education and Research in Aging and Health at Lakehead University. The Alzheimer's Society is excited to take on a leadership role in producing and marketing our podcast to strengthen the voice of people with lived experience of dementia. Dementia Dialogue continues to receive financial support through the Dementia Community Investment of the Public Health Agency of Canada. Please continue to follow us on Facebook. Our web address remains dementiadialogue.ca. You may also reach us through email at dementiadialogue at allson.ca. That's dementiadialogue at a-l-z-o-n dot C-A.